Well, we are now just a couple of weeks out from Big 12 Media Days. It feels like the college football season is getting closer, and one of the guys that does a great job covering the sport top to bottom, Dan Rubenstein, joining us here with the Solid Verbal Podcast, does an outstanding job. He's on heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Uh, Dan, let's start off with some news this week that came down here earlier in the week. It looks like the Big 12 has zeroed in on its next commissioner, and it's uh, Brett Yormark, uh, formerly of the Brooklyn Nets and now with Rock Nation as well, Jay-Z's organization. You know, this is not your traditional uh, hire that you would think of with the way these conferences have typically operated. Finding an AD, finding somebody in college sports and saying, hey, here you go. Uh, this is your job to be our next commissioner. Is this a sign of a continuing trend after, you know, the Pac-12 last year, Dan, went outside the box with uh, – George Kleokoff from MGM, or is this just, you know, maybe a unique situation for the Big 12 and something they need right now? I mean, it's probably a little bit of both. Um, and when you look at what the Pac-12 did and the Big 12 in a, a similar situation, in that um, there is always going to be a fear of falling behind and how to best position the Big 12 brand for growth, not necessarily, you know, I think everybody understands that without Texas and Oklahoma long-term, there's a little bit of a vacuum for star power at the top. And so when you have what the Pac-12 has, which is a vacuum at the top with what USC in flux, Oregon in flux, UCLA not really popping, Washington falling by the wayside, the Arizona schools not really popping. And as good as Utah has been, you know, it's not a, a school and a program that is immediately going to get people to sign huge TV contracts and tune in from across the country. And so what the Big 12 needs is, somebody that does what any good commissioner will do, which is listen to member schools and figure out how to maximize, you know, the wants and needs for everybody involved, but also think creatively, think outside of the box. And we're sort of at this point now within college football, especially that TV money is paramount and media money, be streaming money, whatever, it's all paramount. And so Somebody to come in with both, you know, the agency experience that he has with Rock Nation and the NBA experience he has with the Brooklyn Nets, that if he can come in and sort of bring in new ideas for a conference that I think it's mandatory that they're open to new ideas because, again, vacuum at the top. They can't rely on the biggest names in the world, as good as Baylor's been or Oklahoma State has been. You know, it has to be a thought process of, especially in the, in the wake of, you know, Texas and Oklahoma leading the way. Uh, how do we establish ourselves as sort of a collective star power brand? How do we position ourselves for, you know, a media landscape that's always changing? And sometimes hiring those guys, you know, it didn't work out for the Pac-12 with Larry Scott. He came in from the WTA. But sometimes hiring the same guys, recycling the same guys, you know, they don't have the outside experience. And so if some guy like your Mark can come in and say, look, I need to learn what you want and what you need. And here's how my experience affects my pitch for the future. I think that's a win. That's the best case scenario. Somebody who's not stubborn, who's not somebody above it all, who can take the, the relevant information and run with it creatively. So I'm okay with it. So, Dan, when you look at the Big 12 now, and we know Oklahoma and Texas eventually leaving, uh, we know who's coming in and when they're coming in. We know BYU, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati will be here in 2023. Which of those four teams coming in is is most likely in your eyes to build itself 
into you know a major brand that expands beyond where it's been. I'm not saying they're going to be a blue blood, but who's best set up for success right. in football of those four? At this point, it's probably got it's probably BYU in a weird way, just because of the footprint that they have. So at Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati is never going to be the big show within their state. And it's already in a city with, you know, a number of pro teams. They can be successful, but the question is always going to be, how long is Luke Fickle there? How long is this, you know, one of the best 10 coaches or so 12 coaches in the sport? How long is he going to remain at Cincinnati, which is a good sized place, but given his background at Ohio State, given his proximity to be it Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan State, Michigan, probably not Michigan, but humongous jobs in that area, that how long is he going to stay? Now, he's been loyal. We'll see. The flux at UCF, which has been viewed at as a G5 school, as a really good place, but a jumping off point, be it for, you know, obviously most recently jumping off to Tennessee for Josh Heupel and Scott Frost in Nebraska, and that it's within that state, within Florida, you're talking about the fourth biggest brand. Uh, that's just tricky. And even if the, you know, the big 12 with UCF takes off and really grows, it's not going to supplant Miami or any of the, you know, Florida, Florida state. And so BYU is in an interesting situation where, you know, they have an alumnus coaching that, you know, it's not a huge state in terms of college football. And there is that idea of BYU football having its own unique history that that can be sort of the more or, or the most consistent of them. Houston's interesting, but it's also in a city and area where it's going to be playing third, fourth, fifth fiddle to other college teams and pro teams. So I think there's, there's a unique opportunity for BYU given what it's able to do in terms of winning and developing NFL talent and having its own sort of unique brand within the, the collegiate world. I think that might be my bet just because consistency seems to matter so much. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at the Big 12 uh, this year, Dan, I mean, it, it feels like it's going to be another – uh, year where it's anybody's guess who will win this thing, who will end up in the Big 12 championship. Nobody saw Baylor certainly last year having the turnaround it did in year two under Dave Aranda. Oklahoma State, maybe some people's long shot, but not a solid uh, expected prediction by any stretch. So this year, I mean, Oklahoma's got an enormous amount of change. We know that. They're the favorites, understandably so. But when you kind of look at the hierarchy in this Big 12 going into 2022, roughly, I'm not going to hold you to it right now at this point in the offseason, but roughly what does it look like? I really kind of like Oklahoma State and Baylor right now to challenge Oklahoma in that role. Texas is going to forever be the wild card, but I just I don't think they have the guys on defense. And, you know, maybe there's going to be a big turnaround, but I think, you know, a defense probably takes a couple years to get to a really strong point. Um, I, I think the offense will be just fine in Austin, if not really good more often than it was last year. Um, but right now with Oklahoma State, if we get the better of Spencer Sanders, so right now the flux of quarterback play, the flux of new coaches and changes on defense, now obviously that's applicable to Oklahoma State as well, losing what they did on that side of the ball. But if you look at quarterback consistency, like I don't know how much I can trust Adrian Martinez to be a championship quarterback. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how much I can trust Quinn Ewers as, you know, age-wise he should be a true-ish freshman, even though he, he was at Ohio State last year. Like you just assume he's going to take a game and a half worth of lumps or something like that, and that's not to say what's going to happen on that defense. Oklahoma is new everywhere, it feels like. And so there is something about – 
the continuity at Oklahoma State and Baylor. You know, Blake Shapen getting the experience he had. I, I really do like Baylor's defense to take another step forward in year three of, uh, of Dave Aranda's defense. I don't know. I feel kind of good about those teams just having the experience pieces back that, you know, it almost seems like they're more dependable at the top at this point. Yeah, I think so. And the bottom feels like it's getting better. I don't know if that's your sense, Dan, as well. But, you know, not that Kansas can get worse, admittedly, but I do think Lance Leipold's brought in some nice transfers and is starting to improve things. Uh, And then even, you know, Texas Tech, a team that's been at the bottom, I think you got to like what Joy McGuire brings to the table. So, and Neil Brown going into a critical year as well at West Virginia. Do you feel like the bottom is also lifting itself up in this league? Yeah, I think quarterback play, you're going to see big improvements at all of those schools. I think you're going to see improvement. I mean, obviously, Jalen Daniels young. I think he's going to get better. He's interesting. He's a playmaker at Kansas. There's just, it's a, a talent thing. It's a personnel thing on defense. You know, they're probably, you know, the old phrase, they're a year away from being a year away from being interesting. Uh, I, I think Texas Tech has a really interesting schedule. We talked about it on the show that they seem like their schedule is always catching teams at a convenient time, whether it's, you know, after a big game or before a big game or between big games. Like they just sort of, we call it snake in the toilet. Like it sort of feels like the Texas Tech identity most years that like you just never want to overlook them. You know, they're not great but they're dangerous enough to be dangerous. Um, so that's interesting to me. And, you know, I, I do like, you know, Kitley and Joey McGuire. I think there's gonna, they're going to be interesting. I still think, you know, talent's going to be an issue on defense, but they're going to be better. Um, and West Virginia, look, they're upgrading at quarterback. They're, you know, they make the change at offensive coordinator. That's just an explosive play thing. It's just a, what can we do downfield more often? Their receivers are fine. It's just weird to still be talking about a West Virginia team who can't generate excitement on offense. Because I think the defense is good enough, but it's just every team seems to have their own individual hump. And that's what that's what worries me, and that's what gets you on that sort of treadmill of mediocrity. Yeah, that, that is that is uh, very true and very fair. Uh, Dan Rubenstein, Solid Verbal Podcast, does a great job uh, covering college football top to bottom, joining us here on the show. So, you know, Dan, as you look at the Big 12 in general, I'm not here to predict it's going to be better than the SEC or the Big 10, certainly not at the top. But does this have a chance to be the kind of year with the Big 12? We may be sitting here the last two weeks of the season wondering who's going to be playing for a conference championship game. Could it end up being the most fun year or the most fun conference in college football, despite the fact that it may not have a college football playoff uh, contender? And we also may not have, let's say, you know, two teams in the top 10, but there's going to be a lot of teams in that 10 to 35 range. Oh, yeah, most certainly. Yeah, everybody's got sort of their own critical flaws. But, you know, TCU was catastrophic on defense last year. They won't be catastrophic this year. They're going to take a minute. And so if you're talking about depth of competence and depth of interesting quarterbacks, yeah, the Big 12 is in a really interesting place. Just the systems that are going to be run on offense with Sonny Dykes coming over, with Zach Kitley coming over, like those are two teams that needed it. And you're, you're talking about, yeah, you, you just want – as little catastrophe on either side of the ball as possible. And so you want as many 35, 31 games as possible. And there are playmakers everywhere on offense. Like we haven't even mentioned the name Deuce Vaughn. Like there's, there's going to be a certain degree of excitement. That's I, I already, I've, I've always sort of rung the bell and sounded the alarm that college football is September through November. Like it's mm-hmm. all a cherry, I guess, if you can get to the playoff, but 
if you're producing exciting games and exciting players, now you don't want this conference to fall behind, be it on mm-hmm. the recruiting trail or in the NFL draft. That affects things, and that affects your ability to be competent year to year. But, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of just, like, interesting floors in a good way for this conference. So, yeah, I, I, I do see a lot of 35-31, which – you know, checks that box for me. How surprised are you if I told you, let's say, in November, that uh, Matt Campbell and Dave Aranda would still be with Iowa State and Baylor, respectively? How surprised would you be by that, Dan, all these months later? I'm pretty surprised. I mean, the Dave Aranda thing, not as much, because Baylor's been a place that has recently had a good amount of success, and this is first opportunity to get like a pretty good sized job and he seems like a thoughtful enough guy that you know he, he's not just jumping around for the sake of jumping around he's got it good um I, I the Matt Campbell thing is interesting to me um I, I think he's I think he's where a lot of guys are right now on that tier where they can afford to be selective you know he can understand that like he's got a good thing going at a power five place that's winning games and He's not just going to take the Washington job just for the sake of taking the Washington job and starting all over. And it's, you know, it's how much money do you need? How much power do you need? And, you know, I think these guys more than ever know what some of the pratfalls are at a lot of these jobs that sometimes they just have it good. And you have some guys like Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly and Mario Cristobal who for whatever financial or emotional reason feel like now is the time for a move. But, Matt Campbell also probably has a good deal of perspective that, you know, what he's building at Iowa State buys him a ton of time away from any sort of hot seat. So, you know, I I just think guys are being more selective and thoughtful about what kinds of jobs they're open to taking or or listening to. Who's in that uh, that conversation? Like when you say other coaches that are kind of in that similar spot, Power 5 program, uh, have maybe exceeded expectations, so they've got some some work sure. to work with. Who, who else is in that Matt Campbell uh, realm, would you say? Well, we saw it last year from Mel Tucker that his name was bouncing around. Now, he got paid in a very serious way, yes. allegedly. But what he was able to do at Michigan State in just a couple of years and the excitement that he's been able to generate both you know, on the recruiting trail and within the transfer portal and, and building out that program, as you know, Michigan has sort of been up and down as Ohio State took a step back last year, as Penn State can't get out of its own way, that you know, maybe Mel Tucker has it pretty good in East Lansing, where he can sort of quietly and slowly build, and they exceeded expectations last year. But it's one of those situations where, and now Michigan State's a much bigger program than Iowa State, but I think you're going to see that more and more, that you're not so quick to just, because these guys know that I'm building something talent level has increased i'm winning more and more do i want to start over again do i want to go through the hiring process again do i want to you know it's even harder to convince kids to stay with the program because of the availability of the you know the easy transferring so i think a lot of guys like mel tucker are going to continue to emerge who have quickly improved things somewhere well, I guess I wonder, too, I mean, I know that we we complain or college football fans in general like to complain, oh, it's the same, you know, five, six teams that make the playoff every year. But is there something to be said for the floor in the sport keeps moving up when, you know, a Matt Campbell is staying at Iowa State for the long term, when a Mel Tucker is staying at a Michigan State for the long term? I mean, does that say something about the sport where you can make four, five, six million dollars at mid-level power five schools, which theoretically should help the sport and its competitiveness? 
I think so. I think it's case by case and, you know, personality match by personality match. We've seen schools make the playoff and fall off like Washington, like Michigan State, you know, mm-hmm. the tail end of uh, Mark D'Antonio's tenure. But, yeah, I think more and more there, it, it's clear that there is a financial responsibility to keep up to a certain degree. And it, if a team – I think a teams realize more and more what it takes to be a serious program, not necessarily a playoff program, but the difference between serious and unserious, the investment that it takes. And so I think it's great for the sport that we have good coaches at all sorts of places that whether or not they have a ton of money or not, like we're seeing what NC state's been able to do in the ACC and we're seeing what Kentucky's doing with Mark Stoops, but those, those are schools that are making the financial commitments to do so. And so because football is such a huge financial part of these schools now and just attracting students, in uh, raising TV money, raising contributions from from alumni, that you're seeing the back end investment more and more. And so, you know, I'm I'm hopeful, but I, I'm also sort of aware of the schools that realize they cannot be serious financially, and that's going to be, you know, whether it's Cal, whether it's Rutgers, schools like that, that you know, even though they're making some TV money, that you know, they know they're not going to be able to, especially with the NIL situation and always upgrading facilities. Like there are going to be schools that even if they're somewhat competitive are financially falling, you know, far and far from further and further from the, uh, from the field. Last thing, Dan, uh, how would you change the sport? I mean, with the transfer portal and the way that it's operating in the sport, combine that with uh, name image likeness, it, it, have we swung the pendulum too far the opposite way from having not enough player empowerment to too much at the risk of the program? I mean, how is Dan Rubenstein fixing this? I'm not terribly certain that it's broken. We haven't really uh, seen two, three seasons worth yet. I, I think everybody's still going to be happy on Saturdays. And, you know, there are some issues that, that need to be taken into account. But part of the problem is for so long – uh, the powers that be in the sport have decided not to change anything, not to evolve. And, you know, when it reaches the Supreme Court, when it reaches, you know, very public cases, when, you know, everything that comes out about TV deals come out, you're going to see an avalanche. And so that's what's happened. Um, we don't know actual NIL numbers for all of these stories about the millions and millions of dollars that collectives are spending on players specifically or recruiting classes. I haven't seen the term sheets. I haven't seen those deals. And so, there's a lot of speculation about that. And look, there are situations like Jordan Addison leaving Pitt where you're like, look, he just won the Bolitnikoff. Like now he's going to USC and he's just leaving his program behind. But also his receivers coach has coached at five, I think five schools in five years and is now at Texas. Uh, his offensive coordinator left for Nebraska. Like there has always been movement across the sport. And now we're just seeing the players able to take advantage. Now that also brings up the question of like, who's actually in charge of making rules and who's actually in charge of the sport? Who's actually in charge of figuring out what's best for everybody. There's no clear answer or clear person or group of people. And so that's probably something that needs to be addressed in the coming years, whether there's, you know, a transfer window schedule where we're just like, okay, here's when you can and can't transfer. And here are the situations where you can be eligible immediately. Like if your coach leaves your position coach or coordinator, like there, there needs to be stipulation to make it sort of on a, a more reasonable timeline or organization. But at the same time, like you're getting paid what you want to be paid. I'm getting paid what I want to be paid. I'm always free to look for something new. You're free to look for something new. And with how big the sport has grown, 
hard to fault kids with that sort of marketability for thinking the same thing. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Dan Rubenstein doing a great job. Solid verbal podcast. Go check it out. If you're just a college football fan, they do great work. And, uh, Dan, we love having you here. Thanks so much for the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Great work out of Dan Rubenstein, Solid Verbal. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for listening. Hey, before you go, take 30 seconds, subscribe. Hit that button. Hit that subscribe button. I know you haven't done it yet. We keep track of that. Not all of you have done it yet. And if you leave a rating and a review on iTunes, we'll send you a, a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. When you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, we'll get you hooked up with a koozie, a Heartland College sports koozie, not any koozie, in the mail. Thank you so much for all the differences uh, you are making every single day sharing this show with your friends, with your family. Our numbers keep going up, 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 and it's because of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, appreciate all you do, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.